There they are, Serena and her peanut gallery. <laughs> and that must be Darian. <laughs> You're drooling, Michelle. Well, can't I look? Mm-hmm. Moon Podcast Escalation! My name is Jordan D. White. My name is Chris Sims, and this is Sailor Business. It's the podcast where we sit down with a friend each and every week and watch an episode of the classic 1992 Sailor Moon anime and talk about why it is that we love it so much. And folks, we are into Sailor Moon S for realsies. We've got we've got Sailor Uranus, Sailor Neptune, they're here. And today we are going to be watching episode 93 of Sailor Moon S, Usagi's Idol, the Graceful Genius Michiru. And to help us talk about that, we are very excited to welcome back a, uh, a friend of mine, someone that I'm very excited to have back on the show every time she's here. Uh, you will know her from the Gem Jam. Uh, you will know her from uh, I Will Fight You. If you are a very small number of people, you will know her from my RPG campaign that I'm running right now. Uh, Annie Creighton, welcome back to the show. Hey, guys. Glad to be here. Do you do you run an RPG campaign over, like, the internet? No, I fly out to Seattle every Wednesday night. That's, how, that's why my scripts are always late. And you won't come to my Fast and Furious marathon. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> if people knew that we have been talking for literally 31 minutes before I hit record... <laughs> Okay. Yeah, we play we play uh, over the internet, even though that is full of problems sometimes. Usually, scary. much like recording a podcast. Do you use a uh, Do you use a one of those like special role playing game website or pod or apps or something? Uh, I had this is great content. <laughs> yeah, apparently it is. You you think people will pay for this kind of talk? But let's talk about this. <laughs> I'm interested. <laughs> As you might be able to tell, Jordan and I have had a discussion of uh, whether or not we should have a Patreon. And now he is punishing <laughs> on the show. No, I just actually was curious about your role play game. Gee whiz! Uh, we we in my other role playing games, we have used Roll Twenty, which is a, an online uh, sort of tabletop uh, yeah, yeah. app. I've heard of it, uh, but in the one that uh, Annie is playing in, it's it's kind of rules light. So okay. it, it does not. We do not use that a lot. Hi, Annie. How are you? I'm good. Uh, in in our in our tabletop role playing game, I play Mary Worth, but in a post apocalyptic society, like the co the comic strip character, like the one that makes the salmon squares and has a lot of very good advice that nobody will take until she tells them several times. Yes. Are the other characters comic strip characters? No. No. Interesting. No. Just just Annie. Okay. Are the other characters established fiction characters or? <laughs> you know, eventually I would love to talk about Sailor Moon. <sighs> we get there. <laughs> Annie, it has been uh, it's, it's been a little bit since you've been on the show. You were last with us uh, actually only a few weeks ago for the Moon Animate Makeup 2 episode. Uh, that was a lot of fun. But have there been any Sailor Moon developments in your life since then? 
Uh, aside from seeing the uh, prop replicas they have on ThinkGeek that I really, really, really want to throw money at, not really. I've actually kind of, oh man, like I think last time we checked in with my Sailor Moon progress, uh, my husband and I, John and I, had just sort of gotten completely sidelined by uh, how much we hated uh, the end of Supers and couldn't do it. And that, that has still stopped us cold. So you haven't watched Stars? I know, I know, wow. and that's and I I want to, but I have to sit there, and I'm one of those people where I can't just skip over the ending of a show. I'm just gonna have to deal with it. And well, it, it has a really awesome theme song, so that'll yeah. help get you pumped. Yes, yeah. the star. It has a new theme song. Oh, that's right. I remember hearing about that. Okay, so so worth worth getting through like the last three episodes of Horse Boyfriends. No, I don't want to hear it. Hey, I'm not, all I'm saying is horse boyfriend. That's basically a code word at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I really cannot wait to get there for myself yeah, because yeah. I feel like multiple people have been lying to me to the point of like faking art. Oh, yeah. It's going to be magic. I'm of two minds about those proper replicas mm-hmm. because when I see them. At first, I'm like, that's so cool. It looks just like it. But then I like start to like look at it closer and I'm like, yeah, except like it would be cooler if it was like actually metal instead of just like plastic that looked shiny. <laughs> I mean, it's already like $70 as it is, though. I know. I want it to be like $1,000. No, that would be nonsense, wouldn't it? <laughs> see, see, that is the genius of of stuff like uh, anime and tokusatsu. Yeah. Uh, They have finally figured out if we just make the stuff on the show look cheap, then the toys (laughs) look super accurate. Like Super Sentai shows like like Power Rangers is just basically big toys. They're big, cheap looking plastic uh, weapons. So you just get these smaller versions of them when you go to the store. It's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, like the Moonstick that you see that they make, it looks very much like the one in the show. But then I looked at it and I was just like, but that's not metal i'm assuming the one in the show is actually metal are you are you because it looks like a drawing well yes in world i'm talking about in world well that that raises an interesting question uh because as you are listening to this dear listener uh halloween is over which means it's Ah. christmas what uh what you forgot thanksgiving no that's 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 like pre-game christmas yeah that's just like that's where you kind of test out your your christmas meal yeah. <laughs> Test your Christmas meal and buy presents, I guess. I mean, look, if you want to get me a Thanksgiving present, I wouldn't turn it down. No, no. I mean, I mean, that's the shopping weekend of the, the biggest shopping weekend of the year. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Cyber Monday. <laughs> uh, sure. So do you have any are, are there any uh, Sailor Moon items out there that you have an eye on uh, to be under your 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 Christmas tree this year, Annie? I mean, probably not. Probably to make room for more common writer stuff. That's right. That's right. I forgot that. I forgot that you have the sickness that I, I have. No, the common writer sickness. I do. You, when is this one with the Freakazoid guy coming out? I don't know. The what? Common writer EX. He doesn't look like Freakazoid to you. Oh, you're talking about talking about X Aid. Yeah, that's the one. Is that out? Uh, yeah, that started a couple weeks ago, I think, <gasps> because they just announced the uh. That in the movie, there is a, a Japanese pro wrestler named Hiroshi Tanahashi that I'm a fan of, who is a lifelong Kamen Rider fan, who's going to be showing up as one of the villains in the movie. Because dreams do come true. I have things to download. I have things on the internet to download and put on my TV. I know what I know what most Sailor Moon fans would want for Christmas. What's that, Jordan? Why, a Bob Floyd t-shirt, of course. That's, see, that is a choice segue. 
You did very well on that. Thank you very that much. That was synergy. That was good. That's right. Uh, Jordan, our current t-shirt in the Sailor Business t-shirt club it, that you can find at sailorbusiness.ttoki.com, that's T-E-E-T-O-K-I, is the requested, nay, demanded Bob Floyd ice cream shirt. And it's it's awesome. This one was designed by Christina Murdaugh, who is the uh, artist who handles our, our t-shirt uh, business. And she did an amazing job with this. It has the tagline, uh, solving every problem with an ice cream cone. Yeah. Which I believe um, uh, Christian LeBlanc, who sent us the, the Sailor Moon R movie uh, DVDs, I believe he was one of the people who suggested that. Uh, thank you for putting that idea in our heads. And now the rest of you can put it on your torsos. It's pretty amazing. I mean, again, it's it's up there with pizza coffee among the most obscure things you will ever wear on your body um but it's uh, it's amazing i'm so excited i feel like we're weirdly getting into this series of t-shirts that are just for restaurants that exist in sailor moon we're probably not gonna actually make the kook cola (laughs) t-shirt we need to we need to get a uh the crown crown cafe and what was the other one what was the restaurant in last week's show once upon a time once upon a time, there we go. The once upon a time coffee shop. If, if we, we wear, those, except no, because if you wear a T-shirt that says once upon a time, people are think you're gonna it's gonna be the TV show. That says once upon a time coffee shop, or it, does that show involve a coffee shop? I have no I, idea. I don't know. I don't watch it. <laughs> I think there's right, a so, diner. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to be getting into the episode, but before we do that, we have a lot of sailor business to talk about. Oh, do we? Wow. Yeah, uh, because last week uh, when we were watching the episode that kind of properly introduces uh, Haruka and Michiru to the Sailor Scouts, we had a, a long conversation with Allison about the uh, the sort of gender politics of the episode. And we got a lot of really, really interesting responses. Um, we got a lot of responses from women who told us that uh, Haruka and Michiru were two of the characters they saw in media that sort of made them realize things about themselves uh, and their own sexuality, which I thought was really, really cool. There's a lot of really good stories about that. Uh, and we also got a lot of uh, responses from fans about the different ways that sex and gender were presented in Japan in the 90s and how different it was from what you would see uh, in pop culture in America. Even though a lot of people pointed out that there was a lot of pop culture in America at the time that was dealing with themes of gender fluidity, uh, we actually got an email from uh, from Mr. Annie Creighton, uh, Annie's husband, John. He what? Yeah. Did you not know that he sent this in? He did not tell me that he sent in an email, though I, I will warn you that John majored in East Asian languages and cultures in college, so he's sort of a professional weeaboo. Oh, yes. He yeah. signed it professional weeaboo. Oh, good. And it's a pretty funny. big disclaimer. Uh, John writes, so I try not to talk to, uh, too much about this stuff in public, being a super white dude from the Midwest who studied Japanese culture extensively in college. But here we go. Dealing with sex, gender, and culture in Japan is dealing with pretty different beasts than dealing with it in the West. The cultural context diverged significantly, so it's pretty hard to discuss what a Japanese author may or may not have intended when it comes to those subjects. Even when they may seem cut and dry, the Japanese audience and Western audience can, can and often will have different takes on sex and gender statements. This becomes even more complicated when dealing with 90s Japan versus the 2016 West. The context and cultural milieu are very different. 
In my estimation, the wisest course of action is to just let both audiences self-interpret the text. How the Japanese viewed it at the time, how the Western audience will view it at the time, both versus now, and even how Takeuchi viewed it then versus now are, in all likelihood, significantly different. It's unwise to put any of these groups in a box and take that as definitive. In the same way, it's hard for any of us who are straight or cis to appreciate what these characters mean to the LGBTQ community. It's hard for any of us in the West to appreciate what these characters mean to any of the Japanese fan communities. All this coming from someone who is barely qualified to discuss such things. So that is that is something that we got from John. And I think it's I think that is really interesting because we got we did get a lot of people telling us about uh like like panels from the manga where Haruka describes herself in terms that I think, you know, here in, in 2016 that we would consider to be gender fluid or gender queer. But there's so many layers to that. There's that's coming from you know at the very least through a language translation, which makes it you know again it makes it subjective in the eyes of the audience. I think like based on what people have sent in, I think you can really argue a lot more strongly than I thought initially that Haruka is presented as uh, gender fluid and gender queer in the in the manga, uh, which kind of translates over to the show. But uh, I don't know, Annie. Did you have any any thoughts on that after last week's episode? I don't know. It's actually something that John and I talked a lot about just because he John is a is a nut for Heian era Japan, which is where you have a lot of uh, a lot of really interesting uh, sort of expressions of masculinity and femininity and in in what were considered ways that were very different from, say, the Western perspectives, uh, at least in at least at that period of time. I, I don't know, like Haruka to me is such an interesting character in that she is someone that I saw primarily as someone who eschewed masculinity and femininity as as a sort of dichotomy, as something that had to be one or the other. Uh, so she's always meant a lot to me, but Haruka's sort of a character that I hesitate to talk about at length simply because she's someone that obviously means so much more to other people that are uh, more in the LGBTQIA community, to people that that do have different gender identities than than mine own, which is fairly straight white cis. So she's really cool and I love her a lot, but I really like more hearing about the people for whom she was a very influential character. So I, I don't know. I, I sort of sit there with that. Yeah, I think the one thing that we got more than anything else was a lot of people talking to us about how important Haruka was in general and Haruka and Michiru as a couple uh, together were to them and how they interpreted it uh, when they yeah. were watching the show and coming to the show or the manga. Uh, we did get another email that is amazing from Elizabeth Dubois, who has caught up with the show since the last time she wrote in and uh, talks about how is one of the people who sent in a lot of evidence that we could read uh, Haruka as gender fluid or non-binary. But one of the things uh, that she sent in was that Naoko Takeuchi also did a manga called PQ Angels that got canceled really early on after Sailor Moon. Are you familiar with this at all? No. Never heard of it. Okay. It's about two alien girls with guns that have to kiss each other to transform. What? Okay, and that sounds... Yeah, okay. Yeah, it sounds amazing. And uh, Elizabeth also included, parenthetic, uh, parenthetically, heteronormativity in the trash. <laughs> Which what I does the PQ stand for? I have no idea. Pretty uh, weird? <laughs> I mean, it's. Let me yeah, look it I up. Will, I will forward you this email so that you can see this. Uh, I will because this this image that is included. It looks like a, a cover for a, a manga. Is I mean, it's pretty amazing. It it, it doesn't appear to have a English Wikipedia page, but it seems to have a Portuguese Wikipedia page. Huh. 
<laughs> That's very strange. Yeah, but I think this really, I mean, I know that there are, um, as big a fan of Sailor Moon as I am, I've never gone a lot deeper into Takeuchi's other stuff. Like, I'm, I've never really gotten into Utena, but I do know, just from, you know, being around and reading comics, that uh, Takeuchi, you know, in the early 90s was really using a very, very popular, very, very big platform that she had to to explore a lot of themes of, of sexuality and femininity that you don't really see. And I think that's one of the reasons that Sailor Moon became so popular in America. Because it is, it is a cultural touchstone for a lot of people, d- specifically because of that. Just looking at the Portuguese Wikipedia page for PQ Angels, mm-hmm. I am thinking that it is called PQ Angels because the two characters are named Peanut and Curie. Well, they do have a P and a Q on their tights. Although her name is K-Y-U-U-R-I, but still it's pronounced. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's how they would pronounce Q there. Q. Q. So there you go. So peanut so, yeah. and Q. A lot of responses. Um, Jordan, I know that you retweeted a bunch of them on the the Sailor Business Twitter account. So yeah, you know, if you want to see uh, things that past guests have had to say about it, I know Shannon Maynard talked a lot about uh, Haruka and Michiru on Twitter. Uh, definitely go check that out because, like I said, we wanted to hear from a lot of people about uh, this particular aspect of Sailor Moon, and I think we got some really good responses. Oh, I, like I just—I'm sorry. I just keep seeing things, and I need to see this. I need to read this. Like this is crazy. Nice. Uh, Peanut is an energetic, fun, and kind girl with the ability to change into a cockroach with a heart on its back. Now, this is a translation okay, from Portuguese, sense. so this might not be well. accurate, but that's let what it see, says. Let me see. Let me see. And then Cucumber is the most mature of the two foreigners. It, I'm assuming it means she, has a very quick mind and a brilliant mind. All right. I'll, I'll send you the link th- yeah. that I'm looking at. Because <laughs> like I said, it does not seem to have a an English Wikipedia page. One more email that I wanted to Two girls about. who appear in Tokyo on a mission to find a... Pr- Do you speak Portuguese? Place. Uh, I I took it in college and I've been doing some wow. to brush up with it. They find two girls and they live a house. This is easier to read than I thought it would be. I think it's amazing that we have a guest who speaks Portuguese on the episode where you need to do some research on Portuguese <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. <laughs> they have to kiss each other to transform and they have to kiss another person in order to turn back. It seems to say. Why not? But it sounds like they only did maybe four episodes. I like four, that their names are Peanut and Cucumber, too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That sounds amazing. If anybody's read that, let us know how it is. We got one more email that I wanted to talk about. This one is uh, headlined, Party Colleges in Japan. Uh-oh. Okay. I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> because as you might remember, we had some discussion over whether or not uh, there were Japanese universities that had the same kind of you know party college reputations that we have here in the United States. Sure. Uh, and this is something that I actually did not know anything about. And Andy Smith writes in to say, uh, hey, on the off chance your inbox is not already full of people telling you this. It wasn't. You were the only one. Uh, here's some info on college in Japan. Traditionally, large companies recruited from specific colleges. So getting into the right one is what matters, but not really what you do once you get there. So after years of cramming and testing to get into good schools and college, most students cut off or cut loose and slack off. Other than specialized degrees, Ami will probably be studying in order to be a doctor, a college student can pretty much pass as long as they show up to class occasionally. 
Japanese students finally get a chance to relax, not wear a uniform, join clubs, play sports, and just sit around and drink for four years. So to a certain extent, all of the colleges in Japan are party schools. Wow. <laughs> That's surprising. Yeah, that was a real that was a real surprise because like in America, college is when you kind of have to like really put the work in. <laughs> oh yeah, high school I mean, and college are like totally reversed because all the high schools are privatized. You you don't actually have to go to school past middle school. Really? I mean, yeah, that's why that's why you see a lot of characters in anime that'll talk about like what they're gonna do after middle school that don't necessarily involve going to going to a high school. That's why they have the entrance exams. Is that why there are so many like uh, like anime and video game characters who are like 15 and they're like out in the world making money? Pretty much. Huh. Interesting. Huh. All right. All right. Well, that is a uh, thanks, everybody, for writing in. We are if you hear us asking a question that that we do not know the answer to on the show, please always feel free to write in to tweet at us to let us know, because we love getting responses and learning new things as we go through Sailor Moon. So thanks, everybody. Terrific. Do you want to do some Twitter uh, or not enough time? You want to just get straight to the show? Let's uh, let's get in the show and do Twitter questions next week. No problem. Well, in that case, Chris, what is the name of this week's episode? Uh, the name of this week's episode is Usagi's Idol, The Graceful Genius Michiru. Now, what do you think? Let me let me just get right out there and tell you, there's pretty much no possible way you're going to guess this week's uh, original dub title. There's no way? Pretty much. Mm-mm. Okay, so uh, it, so the title doesn't have anything to do with the events of the episode. Is that what you're? What no, you're trying it's to tell just me? it. No, it does. It's just you. You just don't have a sh- like. It's just so specific and so like really like stupid that it's it's not you're not going to think of it. I don't think. Is it called? <laughs> is it called sex and violence? <laughs> They're not going to call anything to do with Sailor Moon sex. Man, I don't know what the rules are for Cloverway. I, I mean, it still was airing on television in America and Canada. Yeah, whatever. It has to do with music. Okay. And it's a phrase that I don't think anyone has ever said, but maybe it's a maybe it's a reference to a 70s hard rock song. I don't know. <laughs> you just like you just confused me way more than you would have if you left that out. I'm going to leave that out. Pretend it, I didn't say that. Is it called Feels Like the First Time? <laughs> no. It's called Bad Harmony. Okay, Bad Harmony is a pretty good one. Bad <laughs> Harmony is pretty good. No, that's terrible. It's awful. Ugh. Jordan, Bad that's Harmony. why they call her Bad Harmony. Till the day she there dies. Till the day she dies. Ugh. <laughs> terrible because like that's not a thing i mean i guess you'd be like that's some oh those those two people don't sing well that's some really bad harmony that they are doing together but like that's not a regular phrase that anyone would ever say anyway so let's get ready for some bad harmony all right now here's how i want to start off oh let's do it i know that there are people who listen to our earlier episodes uh because you know we we launched Sailor Business at a time when I think a lot of people's interest in Sailor Moon was really being re-sparked because it was right when Crystal was coming out. It was right when the DVDs were coming out and Sailor Moon was on Hulu. You know, the manga had been reissued for a while, but it was it was widely available. And a lot of people dipped into our show. And then honestly, I think we're turned off because we were really, really defensive 
about Usagi, and we were really, really angry at Ray. Wait, really? Yeah, I think I think some people did. I you think, think a lot of people got turned off by that. I mean, look, I think I think a lot of people stuck with the show and and enjoy it, and that's great, and I'm glad they're all here. But I I have seen some people talking about how we were a little that we seemed very defensive of Usagi and and unnecessarily mean towards Ray. Well, uh, I would say she was unnecessarily mean to Usagi, but whatever. See, that is exactly what they're talking about. <laughs> But the, uh, I want people to keep that in mind. And I know that recently people have felt that way about Minako as well, because I know I've been really harsh on Minako uh, up till That's I think, true, last yeah. week's episode, which I, I loved, Whisper Screaming. But I want people to know that it is not like, like it can happen to anyone, because in this episode, Usagi is the goddamned worst. She's what? She's the what? worst. You monster. I can't believe you just said that. She's real bad. She's real, real bad in this episode. I have no idea what you're talking about. Mm, do you? Do you want to talk uh, about it for the next half an hour or so? Yeah, maybe even more. Okay. Well, let's start with <laughs> that. Sure. Well, before we get into that, Annie, obviously the people know where I stand and where Jordan stands. Do you have any thoughts before we get into the episode on Usagi and her terribleness in this episode? I think it's a little boy who cried wolf situation. I I think she's a fairly earnest person, but I don't know. This is this all this whole episode ends up being the same sort of story beat as we had uh like early in the show where it was like you have to be a princess. Yeah. Yeah, cuz it, what it feels like to me is that it feels like any character development that we've gotten for Usagi is just a reset for the sake of of some some stuff that's not even really that fun. I think she's a I think she might be a bit of a jerk in this episode, but I think she's also trying in this one as well. So I, I don't know. I I don't think she's totally the worst. Oh, well, I don't think she's I like think... a jerk. I don't think she's intentionally being terrible. I just think, I don't think like she is very frustrating. All right. Well, let's get let, let's talk about it when we get to it, because I, I think we need to get to specifics and not so much abstract. Right. So we open. At uh, 43-year-old Mamoru Chiba's luxury condominium that he owns and has been making payments on for 20 years. His mortgage is paid now, off. Okay, that's – I mean, he got, you know it's dead parent money. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's Bruce Wayne-style dead parent money mm-hmm. that paid for it. Mm-hmm. No. And – except that his parents were killed by a, a car. But that's why he's, he doesn't ride cars. Oh, there you go. No, wait. He has a car, doesn't he? He has a car? He has a car and a motorcycle. He's conquered his fears. Well, I don't know why sometimes he's like, you know what? Just hop on the back of my motorcycle. And other times he's like, no, I have a car for that. Anyway, whatever. I will admit that you are right. They do specifically talk about how mature his apartment is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be established in a little bit that, uh, again, he is a college student as opposed to being a high school student like he was in the manga, which, again, why would you make him older? Why? I, I don't have a good answer. Doesn't make any sense, by all accounts. Usagi's there, and she has brought a present. She has brought a bag of fresh-baked cookies. And when I say baked, I mean burnt. Yeah. They're garbage. But if they're baked... Yeah, if they're baked with love, it doesn't matter if all of them are burnt. It doesn't, though? It does. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. So you wouldn't choke down cookies if they were terrible if your loved one made them for you? Well, first of all, Jordan, Aiden's amazing at making cookies. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen her well, Instagram account. She's good. I'm sure you're right, but you wouldn't you have to say that anyway? 
Uh, no, because because okay. like because we value honesty in this relationship. Ours is not a relationship <laughs> based on deception. Okay, all right, that's fair. So she walks into his apartment. His apartment. He left his door unlocked, which is a little unusual. Um, and there's no explanation for that. Like I was thinking, oh, well, there, oh is he in there danger? Is. There is. I mean, like, what is it? Well, when he comes He's a superhero, back, I suppose. When he comes back in a second, we're gonna see that he just ran to get a soda. So oh, he probably, okay. like he probably walked to like you know, I don't know the the bodega, <laughs> sure. near his apartment. So he just stepped out to grab a soda and missed Usagi coming in. So so she walks into his apartment and she picks up one of his college textbooks. Now this IKEA ass apartment, by the way, uh, that yeah, is that is playing classy rich people violin number three dot mp three. Yes, that's all. I more money than you. <laughs> yeah, his parents died. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so that's a thing that happens to people like him and Bruce Wayne. Anyway. <laughs> So she picks up his college textbook, which is called Future Analysis of Genetic Engineering. Which is a, which is a great name for a textbook, by the way. <laughs> it's a what very is weird his name. major? What is he studying? I mean, Who, look, he should be the, studying. Where is the actual fire? He should be studying horticulture. <laughs> Wait, hor- just for roses? You think he's a rose scientist? It's the only thing he's interested in, and you can't major in 14-year-old girls. I was going to say, there was one other thing. He's going to be king of the world. Yeah. He's going to major in politics. Anyway. Here's my favorite thing about this textbook, is that it would have been impressive if it had just been called genetic engineering. It would have been impressive if it had been called analysis of genetic engineering, and then somebody (laughs) went a step too far. They were like, what's another word that makes it sound even smarter? Future. Future. (laughs) Um, Horrible future. Here's another weird thing. Here's another weird thing about this book. Uh, In the dub, they change what it says. Uh, But as far as I can tell, they don't actually change what it physically says. She just picks it up and reads it. And the words that she says aloud are contemporary analysis of classical composers. Huh. Now, that makes sense in the sense that they're trying to be more thematic and they're tying together all the classical music stuff in the episode. But if you actually speak Japanese, you would see her pick up a book that says genetic engineering on it. And she just goes, classical composers. So I think we have I think we have a choice here. Can Usagi read? (laughs) Is this a Roxy Pellegrini situation that we're looking at? Well, it would be Serena that really can't read. I mean, like that's she made a thirty on her English test, so that's that's true. Um, you you should be able to do better than by guessing. Although I guess not if it was not multiple. Here's choice. wait. So when you say they don't actually like they don't change the book cover. So when she looks at the book cover in the dub, it still has uh, the what is that? Is that, is that kanji or katakana? The Japanese you know what? kanji. Uh, katakana is the ones that are the syllabic ones. Kanji are the ones that are more complex and look like Chinese characters because it's the same alphabet or right. same set technically i might be wrong about that because i did discover that the version i'm watching is weird but i thought it might have said that in english maybe i'm wrong well because what i was thinking is it would be like in the dub honest to god usai should have just picked it up and gone mamaru can read japanese or or (laughs) darian i guess darian can read japanese he's so smart Honestly, if it's all in kanji on the title, then that also could have just been a joke because Usaki can't read those kanji. <laughs> You're still learning that crap in a high school. 
You're still learning that crap as a grown ass salary man. I, uh, I don't see it on, on YouTube, so I'm, I can't double check. So, I don't feel like loading up Hulu. So No, Usagi, but it, on, on, it wouldn't be on oh, Hulu. Oh, on the dub, for, yeah. For the original dub, yeah. So Usagi uh, holds this book up and goes, Memory was into some high-level college stuff, and then throws cookie crumbs everywhere. And That's an accident that could happen to anyone. No, no. This is like weird, like... It looks like weirdly staged and it's animated. <laughs> like, They're not cookie like, crumbs, though. They are all the actual cookies. Yeah. Which, to be fair... I mean, they're they're trash. They're garbage. Oh, but they're adorable, they, though. They're hearts and bunnies. They're bunnies and hearts, and that is cute. Yeah. She put that much effort into them. But they're definitely burnt. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, these should go into the trash. Yeah. So she basically just sits there crying. Uh, then uh, Memoru walks in yeah. with oh, his yeah. soda. Don't, don't pick it up. Don't, like, put the cookies, like, like try to clean up this horrible mess you've made. She, she takes a second to feel sorry for herself. She would, she'll eventually do it. Probably. So, but I want to talk about the fact that Mamoru walks in with his new soda. Oh, this is hilarious. Tossing it in the air, spinning style. Do not ever open that soda. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to explode. Yeah. Damn, <laughs> you idiot. What are you doing, buddy? It, maybe if it's like a, an iced tea. Maybe. <laughs> He's tossing his soda. So ridiculous. So he walks in. Wait, what? What's going on? She's sad. Uh, and he goes, okay. She, she's like, I'm so pathetic. And he's like, oh, no. Uh, these cookies? No, these are terrific, man. Uh, let me eat them. And you get this great shot of him choking down this cookie. Yeah. The animation <laughs> in this episode is actually really bad. Uh, like, Wait, what? No, it is. Everybody's like weirdly off model in a lot of times. There's one scene at the end where Usagi is not moving, but her her features are. Her eyes, nose, and mouth are like moving around on her head. But this shot of Memoru like choking down the, the burned cookies is really good. Yeah, he's like sweating like, really hard. Here, here's like, this is the Mamoru that I actually kind of like. It's this idea of this Mamoru that I feel like we never see. It's the guy who has no idea what to do with his girlfriend because she's like really over, over energetic and over emotional. And right now she's being really over serious, but he loves her and he tries his hardest and he eats all the garbage cookies. And most of the time he's, and most of the time we don't see this. Most of the time he's just kind of a jerk. See, I mean, okay, here's the thing. I don't think Yusagi's the worst ever, but I do think this is kind of a sad episode for Yusagi because when you describe her that way like you're really emphasizing the fact that he's dating Aww. a 14 year old girl yeah <laughs> who calls I mean... herself unfit to be Mamoru's bride that's what her whole issue is right now yeah, right. And her entire like her entire thing going forward in this episode is going to be like unavoidably very childish sure because what happens is, you know, memory gives her a hug. Uh, that fades out to this uh, shot of a statue that's in there. They turn to stones. Yeah, they turn to stone. <laughs> it yeah. looks like that's what's happening for a second. <laughs> it was very weird. Usagi is is hanging out uh, with the rest of the senshi. Uh, the inner senshi, I guess, because Michiru and Haruka aren't there, obviously. And she goes, all right, I need to, I need to be... Uh, uh, Mamoru's bride. I need to get myself into shape. So I know that I'm a fourteen-year-old uh, D student at best. Uh, but I need to learn everything I can about genetic engineering and classical music and cooking right now. 
all of you are and helping English. me out in English. And and how to put on a uh, kimono. Yeah. yeah. And and the response to this is like Ray is very reasonable. She's like, Usagi, I've shown you how to put on a kimono a hundred times. OK, OK, that's true. But again, see, this is where the first. OK, because I watched every again, as, as always, I watched the episodes twice. I watched them once in Japanese and then I watched the old dub. When I was watching this the second time, I, I all of a sudden it hit me like this is again, this is really kind of sad because basically all of Usagi's friends are just so used to laughing at the fact that she's dumb, that this is a moment of her being like, I don't know enough stuff and, and feeling really upset about it. And they're all just like, yeah, yeah, we know you don't know stuff. You're an idiot. Yeah, But that's, but that there's a part of that. That's what she's doing, but she's also demanding that these other oh, yes. four people like just, you know, she's like, no, no, you need to teach me this. You need to teach me this right now because I want it because because I need to I need to be smart like Memo-chan. And it's right. She's definitely being silly. Like, I will admit that. Like, she, and she is being childish. But I think it's but it's but again, it do, that doesn't make it not sad to me. It's like it's like it's it's I can't decide if it's that she normally doesn't have a lot of self-awareness. And this is like her in a moment of self-awareness or if she. This is her really being unselfware. I, I I'm not sure. I feel like Usagi literally thinks she can master cooking and genetic engineering and putting on a kimono in an afternoon. It's it's really and she's you know insisting her friends help her, and when they you know don't immediately step up to teach her everything, she gets really like she gets really bratty. Like she comes off as really childish, and again, and I know she's 14. But this whole episode is weird in in those regards. Wait, but doesn't but she but she doesn't. Well, hold on. You're, you're talking about her being really demanding. Like she she like is being really flattering to get them to do this. Like she's she doesn't go like Amy, tell me this thing. She goes, Amy, like you're super smart. Like I love you. You're the best. Why don't you teach me genetic engineering? <laughs> Which again is preposterous. But there's also <laughs> but but you know what Ami tells her. I mean, tells her, how about we study for chemistry? Because right. you, and that's, in chemistry class right now. So if we get chemistry sure. down, maybe we can move on to genetic engineering. And Ray says, hey, I've tried to teach you the kimono before, and you don't listen. So it's it's a really, like, again, I don't think Usagi's being a jerk, and I'm not unsympathetic to Usagi right. in this episode. Right. But I do feel like it's she's a very frustrating person in this episode as a character. I, I mean, and yeah, I'm also yeah. sorry Jordan and I are just arguing with each other. <laughs> No, no, where, no. Where do you I mean, come down on this? Honestly, I kind of come down in the middle between you guys. I mean, I, I, I am very sympathetic towards Usagi here. It really sucks when, uh, when you're really trying to do something and you're trying to say, okay, so I really don't know what I'm doing. Can you guys help me? And for your friends to say no, but it also sucks to have that friend that never listens to you and never seems to want your help, uh, and never seems to really like listen or or really do anything until they want something from you. So it's yeah. It's really a crappy situation all around for everybody. I'll, I'll tell you I, what I'll agree with that. gives me a lot of sympathy for Usagi is yeah. uh, when that fucking cat Oh says, my god! Yeah, yeah Mamoru's probably not going to want to marry you. <laughs> okay, that's bullshit. Yeah, yeah at this rate, Mamoru's not going to want to marry you. What? But, but, uh, but hold on. I think you're also, I mean, I, I, I can't believe these words are about to come out of my mouth, but I can't, I think, Chris, that you're being too easy on Ray. <laughs> Because you're right, Ray does say, I taught you how to do this a million times, but she says that after 
already going to Amy and being like, no, stop worrying about this. This is just some crazy idea she has. And then sticking her tongue out, which is generally a sign that you're being mean. <laughs> I like that you guys are also completely ignoring the fact that instead of saying yes or no, uh, Mako and Minako had things to do elsewhere. Goodbye. Yeah, they just run Totally off. abandoning their girlfriends, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Bad, bad couple form. <laughs> and they don't sit together later either at the concert. So they're okay, fighting. I have heard that there's a lot of uh, Makoto Minako subtext going forward in the show, and I am not here for that. Oh, no. Did the breakup already happen? Oh, jeez. No, 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 because we haven't gotten to the dance episode yet. So, okay. All anyway. Right. Uh, yeah, no, like, I, I feel like the problem in this episode is that Usagi has backslid as a character. Mm-hmm. And Ray kind of hasn't. Like, this is a Ray who's saying, like, no, 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 I tried to teach you that. You're being she, weird right now. She, she, uh, you're, uh, she's making a grumpy face when she says that. She's. Oh, this yeah, is her look, going, look, Ray's never I've taught you a million times. Grumpy. Ray's a grumpy person. I'm a grumpy person, Jordan. <laughs> what? I don't know what you're talking about. This is also, like, again, this is, like, this is a... Usagi has to learn how to be a princess plot, except we've moved this forward to Usagi wants to be a bride plot. The only thing we're missing here is her in a ball gown playing Frisbee. Yeah. The problem we is that we do get a ball them... gown later. We, yeah. we, we get a ball gown and we get her it's playing. It's a cocktail dress. Else, so. The problem is that none of her friends are going to are talking to her like a friend. Yeah. Yeah, th- like, that is true. That is true. I mean, like none of them. Like I mean, the closest you could say you they come is 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 Amy going. Why don't we study for chemistry? But like that's not that reasonable. Like you, somebody needs to say to her, like, listen, you're just freaking out. Like blah 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 blah. We've already seen the future. You're gonna get married. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Well, that's another thing. Is like <laughs> nobody nobody steps up to Usagi and goes, yeah, you're probably worthy of being this idiot's bride since you're going to be the <laughs> eternal queen of the universe. Everybody completely ignores this, though. Like, everybody always talks about what they want to be when they grow up, not in two years the entire Earth is going to freeze and then I'm going to be wearing this Sailor Scout outfit for my entire life. Right, right. No one ever talks about how, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're going to get married to Mamo, and then the world freezes, and then you become empress of the entire Earth. I wouldn't worry about whether or not you can make cookies. You can have servants do that for you. (laughs) Oh, man. So from there, we cut to uh, an amphitheater, which I believe is the same amphitheater that we often see in uh, Super Sentai shows. Oh. I think they use the same set? I think they do. I think they probably use the same set. It's all Toei. Uh, Michiru is playing violin, uh, another another rich person violin suite, uh, and Haruka is of course doing a totally normal human thing to be doing. <laughs> Why? Just Why? Completely normal, average person thing to do, which is just chilling on on one of the seats, tossing a lemon around. <laughs> Why is this happening? Does this have some secret meaning that I don't know? If there is, if I swear to God, if there's anything cultural about this lemon, let us know. Because other, like, I kept waiting. You know the uh, the Shelbyville episode of The Simpsons? Yeah. Like, I honest to God kept waiting for Haruka to just take a bite out of that lemon. <laughs> they're, 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 they're codedly inviting their fans to write lemon fan fiction. 
Wow, there's a there's a term that hasn't been tossed around in fifteen or sixteen years. But that's why this was made, so it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was actually longer ago than fifteen or sixteen years. But there you go. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Yes, 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 yes. Do you know why lemon fanfiction is called lemon fanfiction? Uh, I'm assuming based on this scene. Yeah, like, is this? No, no, I'm sure that is not it. All right, Let we me look it up on we Urban. do some research real quick. For those of you who don't know, <laughs> for those of you who weren't, weren't around in the Sailor Dear Moon kids. fandom of the 90s. Got it. Found okay. it. And I found the answer. This actually has the answer to your question. Okay. Often shorted to sim- shortened to simply lemon, the term is actually derived from a hentai anime in the 1984 Cream Lemon, which mm-hmm. told a story about a girl called Ami and her relationships. Since then, Lemon has been used to refer to all sexually oriented fan works, in particular fan fiction. What about limes? I do not know what that is. Is that a okay. thing? Yeah, that's another like lime lime fiction or lemon fiction. I, I think those were two different terms in there. I think it says lime is a fan fiction or chapter of a fan fiction in which characters graphically fool around but do not actually have sex. Oh, okay. <laughs> what about, what about so, the sprite? What about the lemon lime flavor? Right. What kind lime of fan fiction? Lime. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think that there's going to be a lime. No, I th- so lime I'm sure was derived from lemon. Yeah. Um, let's but there, see what there this was a real moment just now where I thought like, oh my god, did someone just see this lemon? And be like, you know what that represents. <laughs> and they just went, I'm going to write all sorts of story about what happens with that. And then it became a whole movement. No. Look, fan, no. fanfic, fandom has done more with less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, they're talking well, about pure hearts and talismans and all that stuff. By the way, oh. we're, we're going into episode 94 next week. And this is maybe something we should talk about next week. But we, like don't see Dr. Tomo and uh, future Naru like all in these episodes. Uh, Yes, we do. Just it's the same scene we see every week. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we don't get any doesn't come out for a while. And which is funny because uh, I think it was next week's episode. In next week's episode in the dub, they, they, as always, they change the topic and the topic they have him saying is like, Oh, you fit. You just keep failing me, Carrie Knight. And it's like, I, is, did she really do anything? <laughs> like, I don't know if it's her failing. Um, it's anyway. like this, this first half of Super, as I recall, has sort of a phase where it's like in the first phase, it's just the Daimon going out. Then Kalanite actually comes and starts doing the villainous thing. And then after that, we switch over to Witches 5. Because right now, it's much more about who are these new scouts and what are they yeah. about. Exactly. Um, we'll get to the villains later. Um, but speaking of which, let's talk about the fact that, oh, oh, man, I missed something awesome. During the scene where Usagi was yelling at everyone, in the dub, when Mina makes her joke, they have Serena say, damn it, Mina, which I was what? like, I can't believe they just said that. <laughs> what? what? I was scandalized. She says, damn it, Mina. They said a bad word? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so now back in this, uh, that when they're talking about the Holy Grail, uh, when uh, when uh, I forget if it's uh, Uranus or Neptune that says Holy Grail, but they're talking about the Holy Grail again. There you go. In the dub, they have it named now. It's called the Purity Chalice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's the source of purity energy. So there you oh, go. Oh man, you, you've always got to keep your like Haruka's coming for your purity chalice. <laughs> 
Um, in addition, uh, I wish, uh, uh, you, if you remember everyone, Allison's impression of them from last week with their dead, like almost lifeless voices, uh, they do specifically say like, we can't let emotion get in our way. <laughs> and I was just like, what? <laughs> Um, and it was right around then that I realized that the, what what does their voice remind me of? And it reminds me of Clive Owen's narration in Sin City, that like totally flat, emotionless narration. I think he does. you might be the only person watching Sailor Moon as. <laughs> I mean, you know what this really reminds me of is the movie adaptation of Frank Miller's Sin City. Uh, so Not anymore. They're talking about that stuff. Usagi walks up and she's like, "Oh, Michiru, you're so cool." Like she, you know, she does her Usagi thing that she oh, does when oh. she meets a new friend. Uh, and 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 Michelle yells out, uh, or not yells out, but says to stop the conversation, meatball alert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, so she's like, wow, uh, Mitra, you're so cool. You need to play in that, that violin so good. And Haruka's like, yeah, check this out. You know that cool trick when someone's playing a violin? <laughs> And you just toss them a lemon and they do some violin lemon juggling. It's a very impressive thing that we all understand. Yo-Yo Ma has done that, right? Yeah. With a cello. Oh, yeah, sure. But it's not the, when it's a cello, it's not a lemon. It's just a yellow basketball. Okay. I'm uh, just Googled violin lemon. No. <laughs> I think you're going to get uh, a lot a picture of from this Sailor Moon. About to get sexy. Yeah, there's a couple of pictures from Sailor Moon. And there's a song called The Lemon Tree that you play on violin. All right. Let me try violin juggling <laughs> no so, i'm not even seeing anything usagi basically asks michiru to to teach her how to be classy and smart so the next time we see them hanging around they go to the museum usagi is carrying her violin like it's her most precious baby yes yes she's 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 cradling it it's very strange and then they have a conversation about, uh, like, Usagi goes, hey, you're really good at violin. Do you want to be, like, a professional violinist? And Michiru basically goes, I'd love to, but I have a secret destiny I can never tell you about. <laughs> like, she, <laughs> she does that thousand-year stare off to the side. And at this point, Usagi, she, like, Usagi actually does say, wow, you're just like me, but doesn't put it together. <laughs> doesn't put those connections together. Oh, and this is the scene where we find out that Max Landis believes that she is a Mary Sue, right? Because she's good at everything. Yeah, because she also painted a space whale. <laughs> oh my god, this cosmic <laughs> whale. This incredible work of art that is in, as far as we can tell, an actual museum and not a student exposition uh, expo. Oh yeah, she this is... place looks like the Louvre. Yeah. No, the she Louvre. Look at, it from, look at the outside. That it well, looks like a like legit museum, but it's also isn't it the place where she was in back playing violin to no one? No, no, that was just like a park. Oh, and they've just gone to a museum now, yeah. coincidentally, guess, walking by guess, her paintings. Yeah, I guess so. I guess they're just on like a little field trip now. In that case, let me just talk about the fact that clearly this was intentional. Yeah, wait, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. sure who's going. Do you guys not like take new friends to like? Like, I know I always go by a comic book store when I make a new friend. <laughs> Stand close to X-Men 92 so that someone will go, Hey, Chris Sims, you wrote this comic right here. Yeah, usually I get, hey, are you Chad Bowers? <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, I'm the, the other guy. Just uh, don't let emotion get in your way. Wow, did you draw this? No, no. <laughs> I, you, you, you know the joke about um, the joke about Gambit's Dear John? I wrote that one. That, that one was me. Is nice. this anime? 
<laughs> so yeah, yeah, she basically just goes, this girl thinks I'm awesome. Let's go walk by my painting and see if anybody has something nice to say about it. My sweet, sweet cosmic whale that by all accounts should be on the side of a van somewhere. Yeah, it's a it's a painting called Space. Which is amazing. I want to talk about that. That alone is phenomenal. Uh, let's talk about it. Oh, no, that's yeah. it. That's it. Just the, painting, the painting is called Space. The image is of a whale uh, doing a backflip out of the Genesis wave from Star Trek Generations. Oh my god, is this just fan art of Star Trek Four? It might be. Did she okay. just watch the one where they saved the whales and got really, really excited about whales in space? Probably, yeah. Uh, good news, everyone. I just screenshot that painting so it can be the uh, the image for the episode. Yeah, go go look at that one if you if you ha- if you're the kind of person who does not watch the episodes along with us, go check that Badamadoos out. It is amazing. Yeah, you're right. And she just is a Star Trek fan. That's what we've just learned. Yeah. yeah. So at this point, Usagi, like, if she wasn't frustrating enough, uh, when Michiru gets distracted by Haruka showing back up, Usagi pops open the violin case and starts just sawing on it with the bow. Okay, now that, listen, I will say that is probably the worst thing she does in the entire episode because nobody's upset at her for it, but that's not a cool thing to do. You don't just grab someone's instrument and start, especially a violin, you could hurt that shit. I'm impressed she was actually able to make like a chord or two in there. Can we talk about Haruka though? Uh, uh, and and like the weird like motorcycle fit she she threw. Yeah, after she <laughs> after she finished up her lemon mission, she just bikes away to go like work out some feelings. Yeah, she's just like I gotta go. I gotta go ride a bike for a while. Bye. And then Mishiro's like, oh, someday she'll learn that this isn't a problem we can solve by riding around on a bike. <laughs> She motorcycles back and it's like, hey, hey, Michiru, you there over there in the middle of the crowd. I couldn't find the enemy's secret base. <laughs> yep. So she literally says that. Great times. Uh, so, yeah, the next thing they do, get ready for our next T-shirt, everybody. Oh, you think so? Uh, because Michiru and Haruka take Usagi to a restaurant that, according what? to what is written on the menu, is called Coffee Mime. I did not look at the name until it's right the now. It's frosted glass inside yes, the cafe is. and everything. Coffee mime. Coffee mime. With with a with a bright uh, uh, green and purple floor. Because uh, that's the that's the color th- you think of when you think of mimes. And mimes listen, and coffee. I was too busy writing down. I didn't notice that. I was too busy writing down the fact that Usagi has eaten seven milkshakes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or or Sundays or whatever these are. There is also th- there's a scene like again, the actual animation in this episode is terrible. And there's a scene where she looks up and like she's got the big kind of teary eyes and like ice cream around her mouth, but like she yeah, looks like gross. a monster. She looks like it's a, gross. She doesn't have any teeth, so she just looks weird. Like, yeah, it's super gross. Uh so in order to <sighs> this is this episode is a lot of fun, but it's weird. It's yeah. weird, and there's, like, the plot is just barely stitched together. Yeah. Uh, because Michiru is like, hey, uh, I hope you enjoyed your seven ice cream sundaes. Here's two tickets to a violin recital. Have fun. Bye. Yeah. Why does she have two extra tickets to a violin recital? I have no She's idea. She's got friends in the industry. 
I get, but I mean, she probably does because she, you'll, you'll, we'll find out later. They have like incredible box seats up in the, you know, uh, the, the nice little balcony. Uh, I mean, this only makes sense if Mishiru was like, oh yeah, me and Haruko were going to go, but here you, you take, take these and we'll go do something else since we have to it's go look for like- enemies. Nope. It's nope. almost like there's a subplot where, like, they had met this violinist guy before, and they were like, oh, he could be a target. We better keep an eye on him. And instead, it's just <laughs> recital, whatever. But even if they had met him, why would they buy tickets, give them to Usagi, and then buy more tickets? They only give them out to the people they trust <laughs> or who uh... admire their space whale paintings. Right, right, exactly. And so she hopes that Usagi will go with someone special. Oh, no, she, I'm sorry, she had eight milkshakes. Sorry, I miscounted. Uh, then we see the exact same scene of Professor Tomo again, or Tomoe, if you will. No. We don't get any information about what he wants. Like, we got a... Pure hearts! I seem to remember us getting a lot more Dark Kingdom interaction. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. No, but like I said, it's because right now they're focused on, we have new scouts. Yeah. They're they're the intri- they're the like part we're actually getting new information about every episode right now. Yeah. There's a bad guy because we need a bad guy to keep things fighting. It's but- not an- it's not for a while until sort of the the whole impetus for getting these hearts and why we need them is actually explained to us. It's it takes a while. I can't remember why. I remember more details about Tomo of uh, uh, some more details, but I don't remember why, so I look forward to finding that out again. Mm-hmm. It's not till our favorite character comes back that we start getting more plot. Uh, so that that scene with Tomo, that's halfway through the episode. The bad guy shows up literally halfway through the episode to go, oh, by the way, monster. Mm-hmm. Guys, I know this would be a really weird coincidence, but wouldn't it be funny if the recital where they were going was where the, the diamond egg went to? That doesn't seem very likely. It I doesn't. Mean- like, what are the odds? Well, I mean, that's obviously way too big a coincidence, even for this show. So I guess we're just yeah. going to talk about Mamoru's immaculate white tuxedo and mint green cummerbund <laughs> and uh, Usagi's Cindy Lauper cosplay. This this is an adorable outfit that she's wearing. But how many tuxedos does Mamoru have? Maybe he has two tuxedos and the other tuxedo, his going out on the town tuxedo has to be white. Otherwise, he would just put on his tuxedo mask Dracula outfit. Oh, and everybody would go, that's tuxedo mask. And he'd be like, I'm not wearing a mask. I absolutely think that's what it is. This is a visual. (laughs) No, this is a visual cue because this is Mamoru's tuxedo, not tuxedo (laughs) mask tuxedo. All right. All right. It's not till the future that he discovers lilac tuxedos. (laughs) Terrible. Um, so at this point, all the other scouts show up. Usagi yes. had two tickets <laughs> to the yes. final recital. They uh, bought more their own tickets. Yeah. Somehow right behind them, we'll find out. But I, I do just want to do like a quick rundown of the outfits because, again, we have some of course really, you do. Re, we have some really cute uh, 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 Sailor Scout looks here. Ami Everybody's is wearing, super cute. Yeah. Ami's outfit is one that we've seen before, I believe. It's her... Uh, her lime green dress with the yellow cardigan. Minako has a a lavender uh, belted kind of uh, party dress. I love Makoto's dress. It's like really yeah. cute. And then Ray is there for for doing some business in the eighties. What? No. With white gloves on. Well, uh, white gloves. That was that is the weird part. Yeah. So this is the the first of our multiple. <laughs> 
uh, buzzkill scouts scenes because, yeah, they're crashing her date. Yeah. They're crashing her date. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not cool. Yeah, and because the cats told him. And the cats also talk in the middle of this crowd, like four feet away from other oh, people. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. The cats are just chatting about it. Yeah, so they all apologize. Now, listen, I know you probably don't think they need to apologize. I'm, I think it's nice that they do because they're saying, oh, we thought you were just being your typical idiot self and we didn't actually have to take you seriously. Um, so we're sorry for that. <laughs> Which I st- which is kind of again I'm like it's a, it's weird and kind of sad anyway. Yeah, but, but again, this kind of flightiness is like season one Usagi. You know, he just wants to be good enough for memorial. And again, I don't think there's anything bad about Usagi being. <laughs> I don't think there's anything bad about Usagi being flighty and Usagi being you know kind of you know even even childish because she's a young teenager. But I do think when we have kind of moved past, like when, when we've seen Usagi moving past that as a character to go back to it is really, really bugs me. Eh. So speaking of bright white and lime and, and mint green tuxedos. <laughs> wait, wait, did you, but did you not want to talk about Ray pinching her butt? This is not, this is not a lemon, Jordan. <laughs> this is not a lemon. This is canon. Ray is like, I'm going to help you out, Usagi. I will pinch your butt anytime you fall asleep during this classical music performance to keep you awake. That's pretty, what friends are for. Pretty funny. So uh, inside, we see that uh, Haruka and Michiru have box seats. Uh, they also have some cute outfits. And Haruka... Wait, you, you, you skipped the coincidence. Which... Oh, oh yeah. The, look, everybody knows the diamond egg shows up and goes in the violet. That's... A <laughs> Dutch angle? <laughs> yeah, he's getting ready at one of the Batman uh, 65, uh, 66 villain headquarters. Is Anyway, sorry. Yeah. So, yes, it's in the violin. We all know that. Good, so good, good to know. Michiru, uh, or Haruka, and Memru are essentially wearing the same outfit. Are they? Are they? Oh, I mean, yeah. It's close. Yeah. White tuxedo. Well, they're magic outfits. It, hers has, like, uh, some some light green hints to it. And so they spy on the scouts and Memoru down in the crowd. And can you explain this to me? Why are the scouts all glaring at Usagi? Uh, I'm sorry. Do you did you miss that when they pan through the crowd? There's some fucking Elvis looking dude there. Oh, I think I did. Let's talk I about did. that. You might have to freeze frame it, but there is like a straight up Elvis looking dude with his shirt unbuttoned and a scarf and like a a white like a like a nudie suit. Oh yeah, you're right. There. Look at that, a blonde Elvis. Yeah. Ladies are all excited by him. They're all looking at him like, hey, look at that. Yeah. He's got a pompadour. That means he's a cool guy. But then he's when we cool get guy. to the scouts, they're all giving her daggers, except for Amy, who is reading a book, obviously. Yeah, of course. What? No. What? So what is it? Why are they all pissed off at her? Because she has a boyfriend? Like what? I don't. Because she's been a jerk. I don't, like, I don't know. Also. She hasn't been that bad. In the interest of fairness, I do need to point this out. Okay. Ami and Makoto are sitting as far away from each other as they can. They had a and fight. That's very upsetting to me. Amy was like, "Why did you turn your back on Yusagi when she asked you for help? Why did you pretend you had something?" That's what she said. Speaking of things that you're not going to want to like to hear, Chris, mm-hmm. here's the thing that was said in the dub. Okay, I can't believe they went there. Okay, there's the the two new scouts are spying on our current scouts with their uh, binoculars, with their I guess probably opera glasses, but whatever. Um, and they, they say flat folding binoculars. I, okay. I okay. Yeah. What is her? What are their names? Amara and Michelle. Haruka and Michiru. Michelle says. Michiru says. No. Listen. 
No. <laughs> Michelle says, they're, they're talking about, oh, there they are. And Michelle says, oh, that must be Darian. And Amara says, you're drooling, Michelle. And Michelle says, I'm allowed to look, aren't I? What? I sure am attracted to men. Yes, me too. I'm also attracted to men and not to ladies. Yes, so am I. Really not really working hard in that dub for something drooling. that nobody bought. <laughs> it's a really good bet in the next episode, too. Oh, good. Yes, yes, yes. I remember. Mm-hmm. I remember so, what you're talking about. Uh, so we see Usagi in the crowd. As the, as the music begins, she has hearts in her eyes and drool in her mouth. She mm-hmm. is thirsty for love. She is thirsty for that mamo tux. She yeah, she is just staring. See, what's the difference between you and what? Allison, Annie? Annie Allison would have gone straight for the rod again. <laughs> <laughs> or worse. Um, but here's what I want to know. Before we pan to Usagi's heart face, we're on Memo's face, where he is looking pretty serious, staring at the stage, and he's got a big sweat drop. Is that because he's like it's making me uncomfortable that she's drooling on me? Or is that him going, I don't actually like classical music, I just pretend to? Like what like what's going on here? I think he's I think he's suddenly becoming aware of the fact that he has taken a thirsty fourteen year old girl to a concert <laughs> with him. He is very much in public. With this fourteen year old girl who wants to take him home and take him out of the tux immediately. Yes. And uh, and she's also about to embarrass him uh, quite a lot because Oh yeah. Bay smacks her on the head and says, look at the stage. And uh, what did she say in the dub? She said something like, I'm listening with my ears and ogling with my eyes. <laughs> or something to that effect. That's fun. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> and they start yelling at each other and then everybody shushes them. Uh, so at that point, uh, the violin leaps out of the violinist's hands. And Here's what I love. His name is the violinist. That's what he's called? He has, this dude has no name. We know nothing about this dude. It doesn't matter. He is completely incidental to this plot. Maybe if you could read Japanese, you could look at the ticket and maybe he has a name (laughs) on the ticket. Yeah, but he doesn't matter. No, not at all. Zero percent for this episode. Because what happens is in a, in a, uh, a, a Maxfield Stanton plot, this would have been the violinist hitting his peak energy in a solo and becoming a monster. But this is a Dr. Tomo plot. So uh, what happens is the violin leaps out of his arms and turns into a shapely lady. Uh, a very attractive violin. I think I've seen her on the cover of the Umbrella Academy. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not, you're not far off. And what I don't understand is this violin, whose name I think is Octave. Octave. Her name is Octave. Octave. Um, Octave's attack, while being a incredibly high-pitched, annoying sound, puts everyone to sleep. Yeah, you know, look, it's Sailor, it's Sailor Moon, Jordan. For- that's, that's exactly how Black Canary works, right? <laughs> <laughs> and again, and of course, it puts everyone to sleep except the Sailor Scouts. So they can transform in a moment without anyone seeing them right so it knocks out the violinist as well because he has a pure heart and by the way by the way his name is takuzo igarashi where was that probably on the ticket is my guess but (laughs) uh but it's in the uh the wiki moon it says his name here why not so octave 
tears open her... Again, she's a lady wearing a swimsuit that looks like a violin, essentially. She tears open the middle to reveal her uh, belly button tattoo and her and her her under cleavage mm-hmm. and uh that's that's this that's this week's way too sexual monster moment i think guess mm-hmm. where my tattoo is this is what we're playing in the that's rest of the season game to play yeah. for the uh for the rest of the season i think guess where the tattoo will be uh but yeah so the pure heart comes out uh octave runs away the sailor scouts transform and head out front and uh we get and i will say this about octave Octave is not as fun as uh, the Puzzle Cat, whose name I forget, and she's not as ridiculous as Steering, who I think is, like, top five monsters of all time. Steering's Uh, so good. Steering's great. Steering is everything I want out of a Monster of the Week. Uh, She does have a nice gimmick of always kind of vaguely opera singing uh her her lines and noises at all times which i will say makes me slightly thankful for the subtitles because i don't think i would actually understand them (laughs) oh then they all transform together so then we get the moon cosmic power extended mix yeah it gets a little synthy after uh, (laughs) after that first bit uh which was fun and uh then they have to fight a monster how shocking yeah, but the weird thing is that you would think Octave would just use the same attack, but instead she, like, can focus fire her sonic scream into a laser beam? Sure. Sensible. She would be a great opponent for Venom. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why didn't Spider-Man just get her to hang out with him? <laughs> I think she was a bonus character in the Super NES uh, Maximum Carnage. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Is that the one with the red cartridge? Oh, yeah. Hell yes, it's the one with the red cartridge, Annie. (laughs) So she, yeah, she knocks over all the scouts, and then, like you said, focuses her sonic blast into, it it literally is a laser beam coming out of her mouth, and she's like, I'm going to do that James Bond villain cut her in half by having it slowly start a million miles away from her and make its way to her, Sailor Moon. And we should say, like, the weirdest thing is she's not just, like, screaming. She's also got the bow that she's playing her own midsection to make the noises. That's true. She's That's a true. really weird monster. But she's great. But, you know, like... And her and her her, 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 her head with the little pegs in it is so silly looking. I love it. You know, in that event, you'd think that, like, her... That she wouldn't, like, pull apart her swimsuit-like fabric, but there'd be, like, a hollow chamber back there, since that's oh. where it would be on an actual violin. Yeah, you would think that. Seems like a missed opportunity. Yeah, a missed opportunity to make her, like, creepy and monstrous, rather than just making her a lady. <laughs> or just having a sweet windshield that she could just roll down. Oh, and don't forget she has vampire teeth, too. I mean... Yeah. Like, so a lot of people are into that. this laser is totally going to kill Sailor Moon. There's nothing Sailor Moon can do about it. She's basically screwed forever and is going to die. You know, you said that, but we all know that in the eternal battle of laser versus Rose. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. A rose win. comes down. And stops the villain. It, apparently because they, they, it doesn't actually stop the laser. It, you, you reveal a moment later that what he actually did was throw the rose to hit her hand and give her a like a sore on the back of her hand. She's like, ow, my hand. Hey. That hurts. 
Uh, and then Tuxedo Mask is standing on a, a lamppost, but they're weird square lights that make it look like floating sugar cubes for no reason. Uh, and he says uh, something silly. There's nothing like a serenade on a beautiful moonlit night. Annoying noises should disappear. <laughs> what? Pure poetry. Annoying Look, noises. Really trying. Disappear. Really trying. Really reaching for it. Uh, but even even a tuxedo mask can't stop uh, Octave. <laughs> this part's great. This part's great. Go ahead. Tell us all about this part. I can't wait. Okay. So uh, Octave begins to play uh, some more music. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, well, first... I guess uh, Octave starts to play some more music, and then the other, like, Tuxedo Mask dodges some Havoc stuff. The other scouts launch their attacks. Jupiter. Jupiter launches her attack. Sparkling Wide Jupiter Pressure. Jupiter Sparkling Wide Pressure and just fucking demolishes the front of this building. <laughs> yes. Octave just jumps out of the way, and Jupiter fucking blows up the front of the building. And Amy's like... Oh, there's there a, are people in there! There's a reaction <laughs> shot of Cookbook, and they're both... <laughs> Like they're both like, oh my god, we we probably killed someone just now. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. Uh, so, and, and my favorite thing is that uh, Minako goes, oh, "What a dirty tactic!" Yeah, dodging, <laughs> dodging <laughs> your attacks. Oh, so funny. Uh, so, but then there comes an attack that Octave cannot dodge, uh, which is deep submerge. Uh, which rockets out and uh, and hits Octave pretty hard. And then, answering the call from a new era, a.k.a. showing up for season three, <laughs> are uh, Sailor Uranus and Sailor Neptune, who were also mysteriously in the neighborhood. But Chris, who are they? It's so hard to tell. No, you're supposed to say, don't ask meaningless questions. <laughs> right, right. I'm pretty sure Holika's actual line was, shut up, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> oh so silly um so so yeah they're like yeah don't ask meaningless questions we're here to get talismans everything else can fucking take a hike yeah uh, and they're like i thought we were allies and they're like you're an idiot then <laughs> i'm here for pure hearts period yeah so uh octave shoots by the way i just now noticed that um hurricane michiru have uh shorter gloves that's a cool little touch on their outfits um oh, yeah uh, Octave shoots out some more sonic beams at, uh, uh, well, I guess I shouldn't call her Michiru, at, at Sailor Neptune. And uh, Usagi uh, tackles her to get her out of the way. And then Haruka she is She jumps like, up like 20 feet. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Sailor Scouts can fly sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but it's like they're too busy posing to notice the attack coming at them. So Sailor Moon jumps in front of the attack, like races it to get there faster and jumps 20 feet up. So she broke the sound barrier. <laughs> Yeah. She went faster than the sound waves. <laughs> yeah. So uh, after this, after Octave takes a shot at, uh, at Sailor Neptune, Sailor Uranus goes, fuck you. <laughs> and does, You attacked her, gir- her girlfriend. She is pissed. Yeah. And uh, does world shaking, which is legit the best looking attack on the show. It's so good. But it's also uh, funny because it actually shakes her world. Yeah. Well, it doesn't like, actually, like, do anything. Like, Octave just goes, and kind of dances Like, she shakes. Yeah. She, like, yeah, she does this crazy dance as a result. There's this planet-shaped fireball coming at her, and she's just like, burr, burr, burr. <laughs> like, <bump. laughs> And then she screams. 
And then Tuxedo Mask has to remind uh, Usagi, as always, hey, don't you think maybe you should do your move? Do the thing. Like, <laughs> it's been a while. And so she does. She she uh, takes out the, uh, what is it called again? What is the new thing called? Moon Spiral Heart Attack. Yes, I, I meant the weapon. But yes, yes, the, ah, she does her Moon Spiral Heart Attack. Um, and she gives her a lovely giant heart and kills her. I still love that they yell out lovely when they die. It's pretty um, so that's the end of that. Oh, except no, we haven't dealt with the heart yet. So then they go, well, we worked really hard for this heart. I'm sure this is, oh, this one sucks too. This heart is not the one we're looking for again every time. Great. Yeah. And everybody like just stands around watching this happen. Yep. Very weird. Yep. It's like, mm, yep, here's a heart. Well, I guess we don't need this. And, Here you go, Jabronis. No, uh, you, uh, no, Uranus is literally going to just chuck it back in the general direction of the violinist. And then <laughs> Mercury has to be like, hold up. I'm not Mercury. Um, Neptune has to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's an artist's heart. You've got to be gentle. you got to be gentle. They're delicate <laughs> and special. Uh, pretty great. Which is so true. <laughs> the, 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 the heart of an artist or writer. Oh, or, or writer. Where did that go from? podcaster. Sure. It's like so much better than another person's. It's special. So then the button on the episode is Usagi and Mamoru walking together with all the other scouts trailing behind them. And Usagi being like, I'm sorry, our date didn't go well. We didn't get to see the concert. And Mamoru goes... Let's go out for food instead. And Yusagi's like, yes, food is the most wonderful thing in the world. And then fucking Ray <laughs> comes over and goes, and we can come for dinner too, right? That is not how dates work, Ray. All the scouts butt their way in on the date yet again. This is harsh. Terrible. This is a harsh thing for them. Yeah, they shouldn't have done that. Oh, can I tell you what, what Ray says to Mamoru in the uh, dub? Please do. Here, here's a great quote. Hey, Darian. Anyone ever tell you you look like a total guy in that suit? What? Anyone ever tell you you look like a total guy in that suit? Uh, and and the response is, uh, no, just a total guy. And Yusagi's response is, or rather Serena's response is, of course I told him. <laughs> what? All right. Did they run fresh out of hunks? I guess so. <laughs> Just a total guy. Yeah, you're a total guy. Good times, everybody. Good times. And that's the end of that episode, right, Chris? Uh, yeah, that's that. Uh, so I guess it's time for us to talk about what we learned in uh, Usagi's Idol, The Graceful Genius Michiru. Annie, we'll start with you. What did you learn from this episode? I learned that lemon-based acrobatics are the truest measure of musical prowess. <laughs> Jordan, how about you? Um... I learned that when meeting a new friend, just casually walk them by all of your finest achievements. <laughs> uh, I learned that when your friend who is a bad student who never listens to you anyway and never actually wants to study, even when you're like, hey, let's make like a study day, all get together and study because we've got high school entrance exams coming up this year. So we really need to put the work in. And she just shows up and like sleeps under the uh, was it the Kotetsu? Like when that person's like, teach me genetic engineering in an hour, then you better show the fuck up or else everybody's going to be mad at you for whatever reason. <sighs> Terrible. That was Sailor Moon. <laughs> 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 this, that was a good one. 
I think this is this was the uh, a frustrating episode for me. This is this is the first one in S where I'm like, yeah, I could have done without that. Like, uh, whoa, yeah. I mean, like, look, I don't want to be super negative. It's fun, but like, I mean, look, I'll take this over any episode of uh, well, not any episode, but the rougher episodes of R any day of the week. But yeah, like it, this one was just kind of this one felt really holding patterny because it it got everything back to like right where it needed to be, like right where it started within 20 minutes. Like this episode could have ended two minutes in when Memory goes, hey, I love you just the way you are. Like that could end of episode. We learned a lot today, right, Luna? <laughs> no, because it, it's not about learning lessons. It's about stopping people from stealing pure hearts. Is it, though? Because if it was about that, we'd probably know one thing about Dr. Tomoe by now. We know that he wants pure hearts, and he wants them because he wants to make a grail, a.k.a. purity chalice. The thing is that, uh, like, even by the title, it feels like this should have been sort of more of an introductory episode to Michiru in the same way that the last episode was about Haruka. And well, she's good at everything. We, we spend like five seconds with her and then we go to a recital. She juggled a lemon on her violin while playing. And she can draw a sweet whale, I know. But what's her personality besides is a proper lady who says desua? <laughs> I didn't even know that. Yeah. Uh, again, like I think, Annie, you are exactly right. That these, you know, last episode really introduces us to Haruka, but this one... Is just like, hey, here's a couple things about Michiru that don't really pay off, you know? At least last week we had the <laughs> had the weird. I really like cars. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we didn't learn that much about uh, uh, Haruka either. I like cars. Do you like cars? Yeah, I like cars, and also yeah. kissing girls. What did you say? No, I didn't say anything. We learned where she gets her kicks, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, now, Annie, you'll have to forgive me uh, because I can't remember back to when I was uh, putting together the schedule. Were these were these episodes that you requested, or were these episodes that that you were assigned? These were around episodes that I requested, <laughs> so they're close enough. <laughs> okay, uh, then I guess that I should not ask you why you chose these episodes to watch. No, I mean I wanted to be early on in Super, so in that sort of area where we're first meeting Haruka and Michiru, because I think these are really interesting characters, and it's so weird to see how they're sort of fumbled around at the beginning. But I also really like the first part of S, because it actually does something that I feel like the previous Sailor Moon series didn't quite do so well, which is giving you a little more information each time. So it feels like there's actually development rather than here's a monster, here's a bad guy, holding pattern, holding pattern, holding pattern, holding pattern, fight a monster, fight a monster, fight a monster. Oh, wait, suddenly a plot happens. And then you just sort of do nothing for 20 episodes. <sighs> yeah, this is still a monster of the week format, but I feel like it very much refined that sort of development. Now, I will say, I mean, we're, well, we'll talk about this more next episode, though. But I definitely remember from my first viewing thinking that Neptune and Uranus were kind of dickheads after a while, especially because it gets it gets a little repetitive of like, OK, come on, really? It you does. don't have a better plan than this. This is your plan. Uh, but we'll talk about that more next time when we talk more about their plan. Well, in that case, Annie, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you and your stuff online? 
All right. Uh, you can find me personally on uh, Twitter and Tumblr at Annie Zard. That's Annie, uh, A-N-N-I-E-Z-A-R-D. You can find uh, the podcast that I'm on. We're at the Gem Jam just about everywhere except on Twitter where we're at Gem Jam Cast. That's a weekly podcast where we uh, go through the Gem and the Holograms cartoon as well as the comic. It's a bit like this, only shorter. <laughs> And uh, you can also find me on I Will Fight You, which is a Patreon uh, thing from our Gem Jam, uh, from our Gem Jam Patreon. So that comes out about every six weeks. Uh, we just had a new episode come out recently about indie horror, but we usually talk about movies. Uh, the next one is going to be about the Swan Princess Christmas, which will be great. <sighs> and uh, I think that is and uh, we we will be starting a uh, a new video series about otome games called date me damn it but we're uh we're gonna start doing production on that uh closer to the holidays when we're on a bit of a break so that's gonna be down the pipeline that's pretty great all right and annie you will of course be back next week here on this show for sailor moon s episode 94 protect the pure heart the three-way battle and until then keep your mind on sailor business Total guy in that suit? Mm-hmm. Oh!